All right, guys, welcome to the show. As always, like and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We are on Apple Podcast and Spotify. And now is our first video podcast episode, so we're going to be on YouTube. So make sure you go and follow us there. This week we have local taxidermist Chaz Majors. Chaz, how are you doing? Doing pretty good. How are y'all doing? We are fantastic. We're here. So, uh, Rock and Sea Taxidermy. Yes, sir. How long has that been going on? This will be my second season. Okay, second season. So, yes, a couple years. Uh, what What made you want to get into that? I've always had a love for the art. I've always wanted to learn it, and thanks to COVID, here we are. Awesome, awesome, man! A lot of things, a lot of good things have come from COVID. There has been quite a few good things that come from COVID. So, uh, did did you take Mr. Newman's wildlife class? I did not. Okay, because I know he covers taxidermy in there. Oh, taxidermy is a loose term, Mr. Newman. If you ever listen to this, I love you very much, sir. You're a super influ- influential figure in my life, but the taxidermy skills were not there. It, it's it's a it's an intro to taxidermy. I mean, we. I think intro is a loose term. It got covered for like two or three weeks for like 45 minutes at a time. Yeah, that's not near enough time. No, no. So, I mean, you uh, you get a stuffed bird out of it. I see the terrible hood of McAndrew that you mounted. <laughs> I, gave every, that, I gave that to my brother. Every day. I gave that to my brother to do. We should have blew it up with Tannerite because it was so fucking terrible. It looked like it looked like a woodpecker. <laughs> oh man! Like the whole bird looked like this water bottle. Like that was what the body looked like, but it was like this angle. It's just a terrible fucking mount. Oh, it was it was made with love. Ah, well, I, I won't I won't criticize that part of it, but the rest of it was fucking garbage. <laughs> oh man! So, so Chaz, tell us a little bit about. How you got your start in a taxidermy? You went to a school or something in Dallas for what? What was it? A week? Two weeks? What was it? I did. I went to a forty-hour duck class by a world ter- uh, world champion taxidermist, and that was kind of where I got my start. Come home and done a whole lot of practicing, and shortly thereafter, got laid off for COVID. Ended up working at a taxidermy shop for several months while I was laid off, and after that, opened my own shop and started taking in work. There you go. So on average, what do you think, uh, and I know when you went to work for Mr. Roger, that was where you learned to do the deer and stuff like that. Yes. What do you think you take as far as your your bird numbers last year? How many birds did you do? I did about 25 birds last year. Yeah. Deer, probably. I did, I think it was seven or eight deer, but I'm also a part-time shop. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's understandable. Now, I know we have a couple good talking points, and we've been wanting to do this one since we started the podcast, and when we decided to add the video element into it, that was when I said we were going to bring Chaz on, because this is a topic that I feel like not a lot of people know about. And visual aid helps. Visual aid definitely helps. It it could have helped me in the past, and and for people who travel out of state and hunt, you know, you may or may not know how how to properly, you know, care for your game after the harvest you know and 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 you wanting to mount your trophy and whatnot this this little snippet i feel like is going to be super beneficial uh to most of your big game hunters and to some of your waterfowl hunters you know who may or may not know how to store a bird you know birds have shelf lives when they're frozen and right and and i've heard different things you know 
you know, wrap them in this or don't wrap them yeah, in this or put them in pantyhose, which is not what you do. No, right. You know, wrap them in newspaper, put yeah. them in a Walmart sack or some shit like that. I mean, I've heard so many different things and somebody else has, no, that's wrong. You need to do this. Right. So now we're going to get it straight out of the horse's mouth of what you should do to properly care for your animals before you bring them to the taxidermist and if you're ever out in the field like this this the skull capping demonstration that we're about to do was the one that most interested me because say somebody goes to montana and kills a fucking 170 inch mule deer okay well you can't exactly get on the airplane with a 170 inch mule deer or you can't keep a head with 170 inches of horn in a cooler in a cooler yeah so if you knew how to skin the deer head properly where you could cap that skull and set the horns in the bed of the pickup where you all you had to do was worry about keeping the hide and the rest of the head, you know, cold and preserved, I feel like that's a huge, you know, a huge benefit to somebody who's maybe hunting out of state or maybe hunting, you know, anywhere. I mean, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't have to be out of state. It could be fucking five hours down the road like me when I was trying to hide that monstrosity in a fucking Bucky's cooler putting ice on it every 13 minutes because it was melting, you know, in October in 90 degree heat all the way home from Dallas, Texas, you know? Also, so, don't forget the whole crossing the state line with the chronic waste. Also That's true. Big, yes, absolutely. No. That's a big no-no too. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I didn't even bring that element into it and you have to. Yes, you have to. There can be no brain matter left right. to cross the state line. That's right. You're exactly right. I didn't even think about that. See, that's even a even a, a more, you know, more beneficial reason to have this little this little tidbit of information. So I'm gonna let you uh, I'm gonna let you get started on it and let you do some talking and some demonstrating and see see what we come up with here. So since he's talking about the deer, I have this dead head right here. And the first thing you would do is please skin it all the way up to here, as close as you can. That's rather you skin it out or you cape it out or you bring it to me. Because if you freeze this and it has that much neck on it, that's a solid block of ice. Right. It's going to take days for that right. to thaw out. And all of this right here. You take chance of it slipping before it ever thaws out so you can skin it out. I had one last year, had about that much neck left in it. Oof. Which should be criminal, A, first and foremost, because if you didn't take the neck meat on a deer, you ain't a deer hunter. And I was scared to death that hide was going to run before I got it skinned out. And I finally ended up having to pack ice around this to let that neck thaw to out let it enough. Thaw. But... Whatever you do, the easiest way to do it is come in, and you're going to come in from right here and make just a short Y to about to right there. Come off of, you want to do it on the backside so where when it's sewed up, you can't see it. Well, you can't see it's, it's it. Yeah. It's best. I mean, try to make the seams as seamless as possible, but it's a seam. Yeah. So you're going to come in. And gut, cut underneath. You don't want to cut down because you'll cut your hair. So you want to get in here and just kind of roll your knife to where it pushes in. And then you're going to take your knife and just slowly work it around the burrs and cut from the bottom without cutting through and cutting your hide. I mean, it's taxidermy. Things can be fixed, but the least amount of problems 
you start with, the better the result. end result's going to be, right? And the next thing is, is after you cut your V, you're going to cut down, and it's called a short incision. About eight inches as long as you want to go. Again, it's it's a seam. If you don't have to sew it up, you're not going to see it. And you're just going to slowly work your way around. And when you cut the ears off, cut the ears as close as you can so you have a small ear canal hole. Just take your time. Whatever you do, take your time. You're going to sit here and just slowly, slowly cut it around. Yeah, whittle away at it. Cause, cause yep. And then once you get all this peeled off as far as you can, you're going to flip it around and cut as close to the teeth and the gum as you can and just start peeling the nose and the bottom jaw back down and it'll it'll come together and fall right, off so real easy have patience take your time because when it goes to you you're not going to rush through anything no and the and less nicks right less the, cuts. the more the more time you take the more patient you are with it the easier it's going to be on you all right chess so <clears throat> let's get started with how to properly skin a deer head if somebody needs to to skull cap one and bring it to you for for a shoulder mount <clears throat> okay so you're going to hang this thing by its feet so it's going to be head down and when you skin it we'll go over skinning in a minute but you're going to get the head or the hide all the way down as close as you can to the head before you cut it off then you're going to take it over to your table tailgate whatever you've got and you're going to come in here and you're going to work your knife up underneath the burr right here on the pedicle and you're going to cut from underneath you do not want to cut down because so, you will cut your hair so go up with it yes you want to cut towards the pedicle towards the pedicle and you're going to do what's called a y cut you're going to take this y and you're going to start here and come down two or three inches on both sides preferably on the back side of the horn because that's going to be the easiest place to hide the seam so once you have your y you're going to take and then from underneath cut down about six to eight inches for what's called a short incision and that's going to release all the hide to where it'll roll down around the head then you're going to take your knife and you're going to slowly work it around the burrs from underneath until you have it free <clears throat> i've seen some people use a screwdriver and just pry it off there's really nothing there holding it other than a little bit of connecting tissue so once you have that you're just going to slowly work your way all around the head when you get to your ears you want to take ca uh, caution to make sure you cut as close to the skull as you can because it keeps the ear canal small easier it just makes a cleaner mount so then once you're doing that you're probably going to have your head up about like this as you're working it down and around you're going to take and you're going to peel that hide to about right here and then it's pretty much going to lock up on you it's going to be hard to skin anymore you're going to take and flip it over you're going to take your knife and you're going to stay as close to the gum as you can. And you're just going to make an incision all the way around, top and bottom jaw. 
And once you do that, it's going to just peel off. And then by the time you get to here, you're going to flip it over, make one or two cuts, and the entire hide is going to be off the head. Awesome. And then that it's, way you can make your skull cap. Yes. So then you want to start that where, like, right above the eyes and just go straight back? How do we want to? It doesn't really matter. Just <clears throat> if you take extra and then the taxidermist. Right. Yeah, let him so take what he needs. Basically, just go about center of the eye. You can cut it right there. And then you can come down here about where it kind of breaks over at the back of the skull and cut that. And then the taxidermist can cut off what they need or right, that, modify the that, That'll leave them plenty to, yes. to work with. And that allows you to clean the brain cavity out so you can legally cross state lines and so stay legal. Someone brings you a deer. How long does that usually take you? Since I'm a small shop, I try to stay in about the six to eight month range. Okay. Yes. Now, one thing I wanted to ask you about, would you? Uh, we talked about it when I was at your shop here not that long ago. You don't do a full tan on your hides, correct? You do the. I do not. I do, do what's called a dry preserve. Yeah, there you go. It's what's the what's the difference in the process? Like, what's the difference in the in the upkeep? What's the difference in the longevity after it's done? I really can't tell you what the difference is. One of them is you. <clears throat> I have to send it off and have it tanned, which increases your my cost, yeah, my yeah. turnaround time, which in turn. It, it costs cost. you. And with the regular tan, what I found is you don't get the neck. The neck doesn't stretch. You don't get that, like we was talking a while ago, the detail. You, It's hard to do that with the tan. The dry preserve, from what I found, which I've only done a handful of tan, but the dry preserve, you can put whatever detail you want in it, and they last like we was talking, I was working at the other shop. He's got something out there for still 25, 30 years doing the dry preserve and still look great. Really? So now let's go through the whole process. Some people tube a deer. You know, some people start at the hams and they, they cut the whole hide all the way down. And that is a motherfucker and a half. <laughs> so let's start about like if we're going to cape a deer for a mount. I like to start about the last rib. And, and I know that old adage, you know. It's better to have too much and not enough. Yes, please don't cheat your taxidermist. But that's that's kind of you know I, that's where my I genuinely genuinely generally tend to start there at the last rib and then work my way down. Let's go over the. I wish we had a better visual representation for this part, but I don't think we've got one. Let's go over when you get to the front legs. Some people say follow the white. Yes, and make, follow the white. Follow the white. Make your cut up where you can skin the legs easier. Yes. Some people, me, I'm some people, tube the legs out and fight those motherfuckers for 20 minutes on each one to get them cut all the way down to the knee. But, so if you follow the white line, and the white line for people who don't or may or may not know is the underneath of the leg. Yes. Where the brown hair meets the white hair. Yes. You follow it from the rib cage up. You want to wanna come in. And when you get to the not, to the do not get the do not cut the brisket. Okay. Because that will show and tell when you go to mount it. Got you. Stay on the back side of the leg. And you're just gonna kinda come down the side a little bit. Right. Got you. And then that gives you a bottom flap 
yes. a white fur. Yes. And then that allows you to expose the armpit and get all the way around the yes. leg easier. Yes. And then once all that comes together, when you put it on the form and you get what you need, you're going to tie all those seams back in together. And that's going to be hidden underneath the deer. Out of sight, out of mind for the most part. If you cape it right. You won't I even won't need those seams. I will not have to sew anything. Everything will fall in place. It'll get stapled all the way out to on the backside and trimmed off. Wow. Even on a wall pedestal. Yes. I'll be damned. Look at there. But you're just talking about the cutting cutting the hide at the last rib. For a regular mount, you're good. But when you go to do that, you got to keep in mind what kind of mount do I want. Do I want just a square back straight off the wall? Do I want a wall pedestal? Do I want... They have the wall pedestals that are almost turned sideways, and you need almost the entire cape. I like those. Yeah. Yes. Those are nice. Yeah, yeah I like those a lot. So you have, when you go to skin it, you have to keep in mind of what kind of mount do I want. So would you say it's probably a safer bet if you started at the hip and just come down from the hip? Would that be enough, like on one of those like big extended pedestals? It would, but at that point, just skin it out. Don't do it the best you can without nicking or cutting it. Just in the whole hide. Right. Then when pick out the mannequin and they go to skin it or tan it, they cut it where they need it. Got you. Based off of what you pick. Got you. All right. Excuse me. I guess that's one thing we could have touched on too. When you're doing the head, what do you use? Use a scalpel, I'm guessing. I actually use the box the square cutter. Razor blades. Razor. Yes, sir. Now, so, I, I do use a knife when I trim around the burrs right. to release them. But other than that, I use them little square, 100-pack square razor blades. Utility knife blades. Yeah. Yep. When they get <clears throat> dull, throw it away, open another one. Right. And Hell yeah. Yeah, we, uh, we we touched on this on another podcast. Yeah, or like some of this holly shit. That's what she skins her pigs and shit with. So that's a great idea because yeah. it's cheap and it's easy and right. you can find it everywhere. Yes. I mean, I have an outdoor edge with like five thousand blades, so I don't really worry about it. But right, but that I guess that'd be more for uh, finer cutting. But yeah. I mean, if you're just, I don't know, you can get pretty detailed with those square ones. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. I guess you can. I mean, you go to doing ducks. That's what I use on the birds. Okay, it's pretty universal there. Cheap but, and effective. Yes, it is. So let's talk about let's talk about post kill care. Okay, obviously certain situations you're probably not able to do the most beneficial thing for the mount, but you know we we don't want to drag this deer down a red dirt road behind a pickup truck for no you don't half a mile before you decide oh hey I guess I'm gonna go ahead and shoulder mount it. I mean I understand sometimes you got to pack an animal you know was less than ideal situation, but sometimes you do have to do it. But first and foremost, you got to do what you have to do to recover your game. Then the taxidermy side of it kicks in is if you can get the animal up off the ground as soon as possible. Right. So that way you're not dragging the hide off of it. Once you drag the hair off, there's nothing I can do to fix it other than cut. a. So if you have a drag that big, I won't end up having to cut a hole about that big. To sew it back up. Right. To give you enough room to have yes. the excess to make sure everything looks yes. right and back in place. And then at that point, you're 
your white on your brisket and all that's going to get shifted and it's just going to look odd. Right. What about water too? I know that's, you know, rinsing a deer off, you know. Don't rinse it. If you've got blood, take a rag and just wipe it off. Okay. You want that hide to stay dry. Right. That's the most important thing. Cold and dry. Right. You get water in it, that's going to introduce bacteria. Got you. It's going to cause a hair to slip. Got you. You want that hide dry. It will get washed and everything when it goes into the either the tanning or after I get everything, the lips, the eyes, the ears turned, I'll wash it then before I shave it. Got you. So don't worry about that. Don't put emphasis don't. on that much, no. on that part. If it's got water, mud, blood, wipe it off just to get the excess off. But <clears throat> right. Don't, don't worry about washing. Let you deal with it. Yes. Got you. I have the soap and stuff for that. Right. To take care of that. Right, right, right. Yes, sir. All right. I guess we're going to move on to our next topic now. Should we stop it? I keep rolling. We'll, we'll edit out. Just edit out the <clears throat> fluff. Perfect. Okay. Let's go on to the next one. What are we going to do now? Ducks? Let's do the Euros. Okay. Real quick. Let's All do right. the Euros. Use that as your demo. And hold on. let's go back to the trimming or the skinning. So when you're skinning them out, put your mic, bring your mic just up a little bit. There you go. So when you're skinning them out, I keep making emphasis on don't cut your hide. Every time you cut that hide, that's a stitch. We have to stitch that up. <clears throat> and I haven't done it, but I do know there's a lot of taxidermists that charge per the inch. Oh, wow. So if you come in, and we was talking about cutting the white, you come in and cut on the brown, and they have to sew up 12 inches, some of them charge $100 an inch to sew it back up. Man, that, that shit could get expensive real quick. Or they tell you, find another cape. I would tell that tax service to go forth and fuck himself. <laughs> I will buy a $100 cape <laughs> from another deer and put on there before I give you a and fucking penny. So right. a lot of keep that either is, needle. Uh, that's why they do that. A lot of they that don't want to fight it. They don't want to fuck with it. To so. make sure that you're skinning it the right way. Sure. Because technically, time is money. Uh, I hear you. Yeah, yeah. Very you. true. That skin to make them seem as invisible as possible. Sure. Yeah. It yeah, takes yeah, a while to yeah, sew. Yeah. I mean, just to seam that wide, you might be sewing on it for thirty minutes. Yeah. I can understand that for sure. But I definitely ain't paying you no hundred dollars an inch. You can fucking miss me with that. Yeah. So uh I will I, buy a new hide. We could just get another one. So ideally the only spot you want to sew is Is the Y scene. Okay. Yes. So I mean the little little cuts, they're not bad. Right. But, but it's when you skin it wrong and you make the wrong cuts. Get a little heavy the with the knife, it's gonna cost you. Yes. So there you go, people. If you don't follow the white line on the hide just tube it out it sucks and it's a lot of fucking work but just go ahead and tube it out best you can try not to nick the hide too much it'll, if you're unsure you can go on you youtube the there's a million videos on how to do it on youtube of course every taxidermist too i've noticed like i've seen a bunch of i'm friends with a bajillion of them on facebook yes. I, I follow every taxidermy page pretty much that comes up on my deal because i love looking at it it's such an interesting I want to learn to do it myself. Like that's my goal when I retire. I get to retire at an early age, 
And uh, that's my goal is to learn how to do it myself, and that'd be my my little job whenever I retire. But well, hey, if uh, if you need any tips, I know a guy. Uh, hey, you're right. That's a, that's a, could be beneficial, huh? I don't know if he wants. I don't know if he wants the competition now. You know, that, that's kind of my retirement plan too. That's right. That's right. I, I don't think I'm going to be very good at it though, because my my uh, my attention to skill, my attention to detail is not not the best. So you're going to be making some. Uh, Egg wildlife ducks. Uh, no, I don't think I'll make any that bad. No, I'll leave that to you. I will leave that. I definitely won't be making any mergansers look like woodpeckers. That's for damn sure. I, I told you, I, I had nothing to do with that. Mm-hmm. I sent it to my brother's class. I hear you. I hear you. Let's go yeah. over some euros then. Let's do it. Let's talk about euros. The euros, that seems to be the new direction of anything that's not getting shoulder mounted. To me... I love a euro. They're they're awesome. Oh yeah, they're pretty. There's not much you can do as far as field to mess them up. The only thing you can really do is let them go to stinking. And again, I know a lot of taxidermists are charging extra for a rot charge. So I actually took one that I had. Excuse me. And I threw it in an ant pile and put a bucket over it and left it there for. God knows how many months. And, you know, I didn't realize this, but that actually the ants, they had it so long that the ants deteriorated the skull. Like, you know, they mm-hmm. broke they broke the skull down itself. You know, that's not the that's not the best process to do that. Like, if you really want a good quality European mount, take it to a taxidermist. Let them do it. Let them skin it. Let them boil it. Let them do it the right way to preserve the skull as best you can because – Hanging it in a tree, you know, hanging it in Papa's tree behind in the backyard or t- you're tying it to a cinder block where a dog can't drag it off and letting time do its thing. You know, if, you, if you've if got one, thankfully, it wasn't a deer that I really was concerned about. Right. It was just a deer head that I, it was a spike, actually. Yeah, that's what I deal with my spike. I'm like, oh, the ants will eat all this shit off and then just hang it up somewhere. Yeah, that's that's exactly what I did. And uh, But they it completely deteriorated the skull on it. All I literally have left is the cap. It's hanging on my chicken coop right now right next to where that one was hanging so the problem with that from the taxidermist side is look at the horns you've yep. got green growing on them they're bleached out then you have to deal with that and recolor clean them then recolor them plus you got the sun damage like you're saying it's basically just deteriorates it yep and then when you go with the ants or what are the ants or dirt then you get the minerals in there and it's really hard to get that back out there's some chemicals you can put on there, but the least amount of chemicals you can put on it, the better, the better you, are. you are. Right. And they've got multiple ways. You can either use the simmer method. They have the beetles. Or you can use the water rot method, which smells really great. Oh, I can. It, I can. it sounds like it does. It's it's awesome. <clears throat> I've been by one of those pots at a, at a co-worker's house one time after a weekend of them boiling deer heads, and I can tell you right now, you you couldn't pour that shit on me. Oh god, <laughs> it's pretty rank. Yeah, it's fucking rancid, and that pot is ruined. Oh yeah, it is. A, sure. It is a deer head pot from that moment on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not using it for anything else, right? That's not, for sure. Not gonna be bull and crawfish. One hundred percent. Not unless you want them to taste like funky rotten shit. All right. So now we're gonna shift gears. Let's let's talk about some bird work. Uh, let's talk about farm to finish. You know, you shoot a duck, right, okay, so, I decide, hey, I'm picking to mount this duck. This is a beautiful duck. It's a, it's a trophy. You know, I'm putting him on the wall. 
let's go through the process, what needs to be taken care of, what needs to be done from that to the freezer to you. And let's kind of get a time frame on that too. Let's start with first, you shoot it. If you don't fold it up and it's dead instantly, do not wring the neck. It tears the skin. It tears the feathers. It just makes for a really messy, sloppy job trying to mount that thing. Then you're dealing with <clears throat> dealing with the broke neck, and it just makes skin in it very hard. The finishers, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. They're okay. They, but just try not to tear the skin too much when you use them. Best thing to do is put it on the floor. Just put your kneel down on it and just sit there. And they'll quit moving. That's the best way to euthanize it for taxidermy. After you, after the shot. Because I know I, the finishers work good. Most people do use artificial heads now, but like you know, some people like Mister Bubba, he he used to use the head. So if you fuck the head up, it's over with. He wasn't mounted. He could. Take it to somebody else because he wasn't using those artificial heads. He used the actual skull. Well, then you you know you compromise the integrity of the skull. Then and now you're kind of back to square one. Yeah, it's not fun rebuilding a skull cap completely. No, use the real real bill there. So you've shot it, you've collected it. Don't hang it by the head in one of those straps. You again, you'd mess up the feathers. So like you said, you you've claimed this. This is your trophy. Treat it like that. Don't just throw it down in the bottom of the blind in the water and in the mud. I know when I used it, when I would mount a duck, I'd take it and I'd go ahead and tuck the head while it's limber, you know, and it's still rigor mortis hadn't set in and it's right. easy to do that. It's yes. easy to manipulate. Go ahead and tuck the head under the wing because when rigor mortis does set in, that bird's already in position for when you go to put it into the freezer. Best place to tuck it is literally just lay it back on its back. Oh, really? That way everything's tight and the wing can't catch in the freezer and snap the wing. I got you. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense too. Yep. Best place is just lay that head right there. I'll be down. So you shot it. You've taken it and you set it on top of your blind bag up on top somewhere that it's clean. Again, don't worry about washing it. If it's got mud, water, blood, just wipe it off. That thing is going to be washed seven, eight times between giving Start it to the to taxidermist and, the, and when it gets built. It's going to have plenty of washings. So then, next thing you want to do is you want to get it cold as quick as possible. If you don't, I did one a couple of years ago that sat in the bottom of a boat and it literally had a rotten spot like that because they left it sitting there so long. Mm. Ooh. It, I was able to salvage it, but it was not the best, prettiest mount because I had to skin or trim half of the my body out of it to be able to sew it up. So, you're there. When you get home, preferably have it in an ice chest coming home if you can. So, when you get home, you're going to take a wet paper towel and you're going to wrap the head and the feet in the wet paper towel. Don't do a vacuum bag. Don't, no, like you were saying earlier, no pantyhose, no socks, no Walmart bags. So you're going to take, roll that, put the head back on the back. You're going to put it in a freezer bag. You're just going to sit there and roll the air out of it, seal it up, 
put it in the second one and roll it, throw it in the freezer. It's simple. Got you. So wet paper towels, two freezer bags. Yes. Freezer. Yes. Got and what it. that what the paper towel does is it keeps the head and the feet from freeze drying. Drying out. Right. It just it helps preserve it. If you do it like that, they can sit in the freezer for a couple of years. Really? So that was that was going to be my next question. So like from a longevity standpoint, I, obviously, I know a lot of people, they say, oh, I want to mount this bird. And then they put it in the freezer and they forget about it. And they're like, oh, fuck, I want to mount this bird. And then they bring it to you. I'm like, just bring the motherfucker to the taxidermist. Like when you kill it, like half the time, I don't even freeze the bird. Like I take that something straight from the field to the taxidermist. Like here, hey, I'm swinging through. That's you the know, best thing you can do. I'm swinging through on my way home. Here's the bird. Do with it what you will, you know. So I just recently skinned one of my own personal birds out and it had been in the freezer for three years put up and it was fine. Okay. Absolutely. It looked like I had just taken it this past season. Wow. That's that's pretty impressive. That's good to know. For now, those of you who, who think or, you know, maybe you're not sure if you do want to go through a mountain or whatever, you know, that's a, that's definitely a, well, a uh, feasible option if you take care of it the right way. It is. Then on the other hand, I had two birds I tried to work on today. They were so freezer burnt that even after the whole body was thawed out, I couldn't even open the wings. That is, there's no salvage in that. It's over. And it was, those were put up in two Walmart bags and thrown in the freezer without being sealed up. And that's what happens. So it's all, it all depends on how you take care of it. Best case scenario is take the thing. Straight from the fields yes. to the taxidermist and give it to them and don't even worry about it. Yes. Then it will be put up and it'll be in line so that way you'll get it back quicker too. Yep. Now what what is the uh what's the turnaround time on a bird? It's I'm gonna tell you the same thing. About six months. I got you. I got you. Yeah. In they, reality, is there a chance that it could be done quicker than that? Absolutely. But it, in reality, the odds are the earlier in season, yeah, it's going to be done within a few months. Yeah. Not six months. Right. But it's always good to give yourself a little grace period. Yes. And don't hound your taxidermist people, please, for the love of God. When they give you a time frame, okay, expect that you could have a month or two difference one way or the other. Yes. You could say, hey, it's going to take you eight or nine months. Okay, it could be six months. It could be 11 months. You know, once you get past that year point, you know, it may be a, oh, hey, you know, what's happening? What's going on? But don't, please, for the love of God, don't sit there and call the tax nervous every week. Hey, man, is my bird ready? Hey, man, is my deer ready? Because all it's going to do is piss them off. A, they're not going to do their best job. B, they're going to be aggravated, and they're going to make it drag out intentionally because you keep fucking with them. Don't do that. It's so like for me, I work a full-time job, and this is a side business that I run. Right. If I, they tell me I'm working overtime... You're working I, overtime. There ain't no side business. That, that, that's on hold until I come off overtime. That's right. And so, you still have a family life as yes. well. I mean, you still have, you got two little girls. I mean, yes. you, you still got your own things that you have to do. That's, again, I might have it done in a month, but I'm going to tell you six months. Right. Just, just to cover your own, yes. cover all your bases. That's fair. So, and for me, that's on my side. If you're, bu- if, I'm not going to say bugging me, but if you're calling I'm not even working on it because I'm sitting over here at the refinery and that I'm working there. Right. But so for your full-time taxidermist, say you call me 
now I got to stop what I'm doing, answer the phone, talk to you for five minutes, answer your questions. Well, that just put five minutes off of that animal. Right. And then you got to get off the phone. You got to figure out what you were doing and then pick up where you left off. And you do that seven, eight, ten times a day. That just puts you further and further behind. So the best thing you can do is if they tell you six months or a year, for most people, it's eight to ten, about ten to twelve months for a turnaround. At twelve months, shoot them a text, say, hey, it's been a year, just checking. That's all it takes. Like you said, they hound. You hound enough, it's going to get pushed to the back of the line. See, like when I went to Bubba, I just dropped it off. Said, hey, this is what I got. This is what I want. Go for it. Yep. And I, Oh, that's another thing I do want to bring up, too. I got a good friend of mine that does waterfowl texting. I mean, he's, he's one of the best. I'm going to say he's one of the best in the world. I may be talking out of my ass, but the dude's unfucking believable. And uh, I told him that when I brought him a couple of ducks, <clears throat> my wife's first duck, and uh, a cool little hermaphrodite pintail that I killed. And, you know, he was like, I mean, how do you want to mount them? And I said, here they are. Mm-hmm. You're a world-class taxidermist, like a literal world-class taxidermist. You do with them whatever the fuck you want to do. I hate a duck that's standing. I just don't like the mounts. It's not anything. that They're beautiful. Mm-hmm. I don't like them. I don't want them. I said, as long as the du- people get a wood duck, and I, and I understand a standing mount on a wood duck is the best way to see all the colors on the bird, but yes. I still don't like them. So I yeah. said, as long as they're not standing... <clears throat> I don't give a shit what you do. Like, do with it what you will. Make it however you want it, you know? That's like my personal mounts. I only have two of your typical personal uh, typical mounts. Everything else is off the wall. Stuff you do not see. And that's, that's what I like to see because you don't see it. Yeah. See, whenever I drop mine off, I got a call a few months later. He said, hey, your duck can't be flying. The wing's messed up. Yes. So he's not going to fly. So I was like, so what does that leave us with? He's like, standing. I'm like, well, then go for it. And I've got a pintail standing on a log. And sometimes that can't be helped. Yeah. Sometimes, right. yeah. Sometimes that's just. It, it was it was disappointing at the time because I wanted them all cupped up and mm-hmm. shit looking like he was coming in. Yeah. But he's like, there's nothing I can do for it. He's like, I can fold it up and have them standing. Like, it's a good bird. It's a beautiful bird. Just the wing was messed up. So that's another thing, too. And, and you'll be able to kind of shed some light on this. A lot of times people are scared, like, when they shoot a bird. Like, if you shoot a bird and it's messed up, you're like, oh, it's messed up. I can't mount it. That's fucking wrong. If you got a good taxidermist and you tell them up front and say, hey, look, this bird's kind of shot up. It's really pretty. I really want to see what I can do with it. I guarantee you, minus that motherfucker missing body parts. They can fix it. They can do something with it. They can do something presentable with it to make it look good and preserve that trophy, that memory, whatever it is. You know, people, I've seen some cool ass ducks get tossed because they're kind of shot up a little bit. This, that, and I'm like, man, they're like, there is something that they can do with them. And that's like for years, oh, I've always heard, oh, the wing's broke. You can't do anything with it. You turn that wing completely inside out. Yeah. If you can't rebuild it with wire or dowel rods, right. Then. I don't know, but yeah, it things can be done. Now I will say this much too, and I've learned this year because I've got 
you can ask my wife. I've got a house full of mounted ducks. You can't see them in my living room because she won't let me put them in here. But I got them in every other room in this fucking house, <laughs> just wall to wall. I've got twenty, and two more fixing to be picked up from the taxidermist. And you, you absolutely can mount a duck. You know, broke wing. The closer to the body, the break, the better. Yes. The easier it is to hide. Chances are you still get any flying pose you want. Now, when they break past that, you know, then you're kind of getting into you know. Hey, you may have to have a sitting duck or mm-hmm. a, or, a, or a standing duck or a swimming duck, but uh, a wing broke closer to the body is a completely doable bird. Yes, it For, is. and if it's not, go find you another taxidermist because I can promise you there are people out there that don't mind taking the shot up birds that will do an excellent job. And and so don't think just because you kill something cool and it's shot up a little bit that you can't do anything with it because that's not the case. I have actually mounted a flying bird. With no wing bones. they All the bones were busted. And I fixed it back with wire and mounted that thing flying. Got it, But the feathers weren't messed up. That, that, That's, that was the kicker. Right. The feathers weren't messed up. Let's see. There you go. Man can rebuild wings with nothing but wire. All right. So what position do you mount most of your ducks that, that people bring to you? What, what do they want? So like kind of like Colton said... You have your standards, which is a pretty standard mount on certain birds. The other one is your simple banking pose. Right, just off to the side. Yes. Showing the back, both the wings, the head's turned. Yes, that shows off all your back colors. And it's just, it's your standard go-to, show me the color pose. I got you. Uh, are Are the dead mounts a thing anymore? Yeah, they they get pretty popular again. I think uh, I've got two of them. Yeah, I know, I know. Years ago, it was like it took over. Yeah, the dead mount was the way to do it because man, you could add so many different elements. Like I had a uh, my first Canada goose that I ever killed in Winnie. Uh, I had it mounted with a an old sure shot from the '60s. Right, Canada goose call that my grandpa had. You know, and I was able to incorporate all of that into the same mount and just kind of added a whole other element to it. You know, right. pretty, you, you had like really some good. old shotgun shells in there with it too. Yeah, I had. I got. I I think yeah, I, I remember it. But yeah, I, I did have. Uh, I did have some in there, but they're not in there no more. I had to take those off. So the deal with your dead mounts is kind of like your pintail. If you can't fly it, that's another option. Right. It just gives them two options to go with. Yeah, I don't... I think at the time, like, I don't really think that dead mounts were were a really popular option. It's been many moons ago when you had that bird mounted. I don't think they were really... Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think it was a, a thing at the time. But uh, do you do any dead mounts? An- another aspect of the dead mounts is, like, I have a giant dead mount. It's got three geese. I have a little living room, but I have three geese in there mounted with two ducks, yeah, and it takes up that much space. <clears throat> right. saves a lot of space. It's, you can have a lot of color, a lot of birds, and very small real estate. Yep. That definitely is a cool Right, because cool they're, they're just hanging there. Yes. I got you. I got you. Uh, <clears throat> so what about cool? Let's talk, let's, let's talk about some unique stuff. What's some of the cooler birds that you've mounted? One of the cooler birds I mounted was that uh, golden eye just finished up. It's something we just don't get here. Yeah. Other than that, it's 
than our typical puddle ducks here that we have locally. You hadn't had the opportunity yet to do any hybrids or anything Not super, yet. super crazy off the wall yet? Not yet. I'm hoping one day. But some mm. of the different poses have made them pretty awesome. Yeah. Like I mounted this speckled belly. It's the last one I did for the season last year. It's coming in kind of cup, but it was going in an area that didn't have a lot of real estate. So he's basically like, He's seen you. He's trying to backpedal. Oh, yeah, yeah, It's not your cup, that typical cupped-up pose. Right. He's almost stood up, straight up and down, trying to backpedal out. Right, like, then it turned out. Like he busted you. Yes. Kind of like, oh, crap. Here we go. Probably the uh, the last moments he saw while he was still in air. Probably so. But I'm hoping to get some. I'd love to play with some yeah because i've seen some pretty wild uh mounts like uh i've seen some like you go into a store it's it's hanging from the ceiling and they're they're like they're flying there they've got tons of them i mean i don't know how many thousands of dollars worth of taxidermy they have just hanging right there at their entrance uh the ones with the with the plastic that's like water and they're going Yes, Down. the divers. Yeah, they're you know they're diving under. Yes. Oh man, I've seen some like with the splash scenes and stuff, and they add the fish and all kind of different shit to it. You yeah, you, you can get pretty oh, pretty wild gosh, with it. Uh, man. It's unbelievable. That's the thing about taxidermy. If you can dream it, you can pretty much get it, build it, mount it. <clears throat> There's some way to do it. Yeah, like I've seen a bobcat, you know, clawing at a at a quail. Mm-hmm. Just, I mean, uh, the in, the options are endless. The squirrel riding the rattlesnake. <laughs> I mean, if you can dream it, you can do it. What about the jackalope? Can you can you make a jackalope? Hadn't tried it yet. <laughs> that might be have that might have to happen. I got a good little set of spike antlers. Whenever you're ready, you can have them. <laughs> there you go. Just have to be refinished, huh? That's yeah. That's yeah, have to be refinished. yeah. Just uh, just need to find a, a nice rabbit. All right. <clears throat> so we're getting to the end of the episode, and we're going to kind of go over some less than ideal situations. What what you can do, or what your taxidermist will do, in the event that maybe the animal that you brought isn't in as good a condition as what maybe y'all both had assumed and he gets into the process he or she gets into the process and they figure out hey maybe our original plan like kind of what happened with jonathan's pintail maybe that's not exactly going to work and i have a mount right here that mr chaz did himself and you know we got into the specifics of it and realized that the tail fan was shot out and we didn't really notice it until he got in there you know to to preening and fluffing up the feathers and getting everything set into place, we realized that the tail fans was shot out completely, you know. So we kind of had to call an audible and, and do a little change up to make it look as good as it turned out, you know. So that's kind of a thing I'm gonna let him, I'm gonna let him turn into and and uh, and get into about you know how does that process work, Chaz? Like whenever you encounter a situation like that. So on this bird particularly, every, like you said, when I took it from you. It looked like it was an excellent bird. It looked great. Nothing was broken. Nothing was really all that shot up. Well, during the cleaning process of it, I got to the tail fan and 
Well, the pellet kind of took out the entire tail fan. And when I took all the connecting tissue off of it to where it wouldn't rot, I looked down and I had a pile of tail feathers. They just fell out. So, and unfortunately as a taxidermist, sometimes you got to make this phone call. So I called you and told you what we had. It was out of both of our control. And you said, just do whatever I can do to make it the best it can. So we, we took this pose and kind of pushed it around and, until we found something that could hide the tail fan the best I could with it. Now, if this would have been a wood duck, I would have said, let's do a knot hole. Just cut the tail fan off together. That's another option. Right. But that goes back to what bird are you dealing with? Right. So I just sat here and I played with it and I twisted it around until I could hide the tail fan as much as possible but that's one of the deals about taxidermy you just kind of have to roll with it and keep messing with it until you get it looking good so let's go over like uh in the event that you get a get a uh, a deer okay and the hide slips or something happens or it's nicked up or it's not enough give the people some options on you know where do we go from here you know we we look for another cape we buy another cape we do yes. this we do that maybe we change the pose a little bit to not need as much hide what are some of your what are your some of your remedies i guess again don't cheat your taxidermist don't cut the hide too short that's the simplest thing for that part so if it is cut a little short i had one last year that was going to be questionable so what I did was I downsized the neck a little bit, which allowed me to stretch that hide backwards. Mounted up, still had a big neck. Everything worked out great. If I would have used the actual size, I'd have never covered that for him. So that's one trick you can use. I've seen people use like flags where they'll cover the shoulder with oh, the yeah, flag. I've seen it. Yeah, that's pretty neat. I haven't tried that yet, so I'm not really sure how they do it. Some people use habitat. You can use like your hunting out west, your prickly pear, your rocks to kind of fill that void. But that goes back to the best thing to do is bring enough cape. So now on slips, if it slips, I can cut out a section of that cape and sew it back up. Depending on where it's at, depends on if it's going to move the color of the hide and tail on me. Or if it's too much slip, like you were saying, you have to find a donor hide. Rather, somebody brings one for you, or some taxidermist I've seen have said, you bring us a usable, decent size hide, cape, we'll give you a euro. Or they'll so much off them a euro. Right. I don't do enough deer to do that. <laughs> right. But that is an option for these larger uh, shops now there is the whole buy cape problem with buying a cape say you're a taxidermist which ones are you going to sell you're going to sell the ones that have problems so when you're buying one you're going to buy one with problems with some right. issues yeah and that's what you're trying to <coughs> avoid to avoid right there so the best thing you can do is just take care of it yes some things happen slips happen 
we do the best we can to minimize it to not for it to not happen. But there is ways we can work it. Whether it be turn pick a different pose, like a wall pedestal. If it slips, turn that side to the back. Hide it. Yeah. It's just that's what it's it's taxi. Taxidermy. It's in the name. You yep. move it to where it makes it work. Yep. Well, let's talk about too a little bit. Maybe some people don't realize, you know, okay, you just killed this animal and you're super proud of it and you go get it mounted and you bring it home and you hang it up and you're, you know, ecstatic. It's on the wall and you get to talk about it and you get to, you know, show off and everything else. And maintenance on a mount. Uh, dust is the biggest killer of taxidermy work, you know, and they are the biggest dust magnet. Yeah, yeah. It's it just, definitely a dust magnet. It just seems that dust just, you know. Just cakes on yeah, it. Yeah, just. That's the first thing it hits. Your biggest is humidity and sunlight. Really? That will kill a mount quicker than anything else. So like your central ACs, you won't have too much problem with it. Window units can cause cracking in the nose, around the eyes, and the ears. But once it's there, that's pretty much it. Yeah. But as far as the dust, just a simple... Feather duster. Yep. Best thing to clean them with. Just lightly brush it off. And what about like upkeep on on deer mounts and stuff like that? <clears throat> Same difference. I mean, I dust all mine with a feather duster. Yep. But. Just a feather duster. It's soft. It's easy on them. And on birds, you're fest, you're dusting feathers with feathers. It doesn't hurt them. Yeah. So let's let's uh, let's give people the opportunity if they want to look up some of your work and stuff. Uh, plug in your your social medias or whatever you want. You know, yeah, give yeah. people where, that option. If where can people find you? Yeah. I'm on Facebook and Instagram as Rock and Sea Taxidermy. I don't post a whole lot, but that's where you'll find my work. All right, right on. Right I sure on. appreciate you coming and giving giving some of this quality information out to the people and. Uh, Hopefully they can uh, they can give you a buzz this year. Maybe they'll kill something good and want to get you to mount it for them. Yes, sir. All right, brother. Well, I appreciate y'all. Thank y'all for listening. Thank y'all for having me.